Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. Today's guest is Kenny Rose, founder and CEO of Franchairs, which fractionalizes investments into a pool of franchises. Kenny is one of the top experts on franchises, if not the top guy. Because of his intimate knowledge of the industry, he is uniquely qualified to begin a platform like Franchairs. Let's listen in. Kenny, thank you for being here with us today. This is uh, your second time on the podcast. We're really excited. I know that um, you're on the verge of of kind of launching the platform. You were with us back in May, so welcome back. It's great to be back. And honestly, loved all the uh, feedback and support and waitlist times we got from that last time. Yeah, definitely. And, and I would recommend to anybody listening here for the first time uh, to Kenny uh, that you go back. Stefan had Kenny on the, on the podcast back in May, May 2021. And uh, there's so much good stuff there as well. So uh, this is like part two, I would say. Gosh, that that feels like ten years ago. I can't believe that wasn't even a year ago, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it? I, even even I'm thinking, how much has changed in the last uh, six to seven months? <laughs> oh gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm sure you know uh, when you're doing a startup, uh, that the, every month is like we call it a NFT time, right? Anything can change from minute to minute, hour to hour. That is true, but I do love what I do, so it, it goes by fast. It's just more of everything else in the world going on. <laughs> yeah. So Kenny, you have some big things coming up with Franchairs. For anybody maybe not familiar, could you tell us, kind of give us an, an overview of what Franchairs is and you know what you're trying to build? Yeah, absolutely. So Franchairs is unlocking uh, an investment vehicle that hasn't been available to the average investor, which is the franchise industry. You know, it's over three and a half percent of the US GDP, but the average person can't get into it. You usually need six or seven figures of cash. Uh, you need time to do it. You need the skill set to do it. So what Franchairs is, is allowing you to invest in a portfolio, diversified franchises to earn income and equity for yourself. And you can invest for as little as $500 with no fees. Yeah. If I can say it's a, it's a wholly unique investment platform. I don't know that there are too many other platforms doing that, right? Where there, you, you have the option to invest into uh, a fund of franchises? We are the first one. First one. And I will say, by the way, that you are the guy in terms of the the franchise expert, right? You have been quoted extensively. You've had stories done on you on your expertise with with franchises. So if there's somebody to start this up, it would only make sense that it's you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And honestly, that's why I get the question a lot. It's like, why did no one else do this before? And honestly, it's like if you're an outsider looking in, you'd probably go straight to thinking about fast food, which everyone listening probably started off that way too. But um, you know, fast food the returns aren't great. Let's let's be honest. Like they're very high upfront costs, they're paper thin margins, ton of employees. And so like if I was an outsider, I'd be like, oh man, that's tough. I'd get them five maybe ten percent returns. That's not that great. And then, you know, if you're someone in the franchise world, you're typically a couple decades older than me and not really paying attention to what's going on in the world right now. So it's just kind of a perfect storm. I had the right experience and everything came together really well. Yeah. You were kind of a, a franchise broker before, right? And so you 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 became really familiar with the business. What is it about franchising, right? That's unique to other businesses, like that you would say that you know beyond maybe the uh, negative connotations that it might have. Like, how is it something that that uh, that people may not be too aware of? Yeah, well, honestly, anytime I someone has negative connotations, I always ask them like, "Tell me what you're thinking," because frankly, 
most people never really received any form of education on franchising. They just have heard of it over the years. And so really there's all sorts of different franchises. Like most people just think of, uh, oh, I get the McDonald's secret sauce and the golden arches. But honestly, franchising covers over a hundred different industries. And so there's plenty of them that you would never have known are franchises that you might use or that you've never heard of. And so it's really about having the systems in place. You know, anyone who started a business that's listening or wants to, they know that there are a ton of growing pains in trying to start the business, grow the business, and stabilize the business. And so those first five years can be absolutely tumultuous. And so franchising, you're really skipping those first five years. So maybe you're not something that's super consumer-facing like a McDonald's. Honestly, you could be in the waste management industry, but they have the right systems in place to be able to find the right customers at the right price, provide the right service, and in turn, get the owner the returns they're looking for. Maybe I'm being a little uh, presumptuous here. Like from what you've seen and and your expertise, you know, if if there's somebody, and this kind of a little bit aside, but if there's somebody who's interested in in a franchise, has it almost become second nature to you to to point out the ones that you really, really feel are set up to succeed for anybody that wants to launch a, a franchise? No. Honestly, everyone's different. They have different skill sets. They have different budgets. They have different goals. And so like, there's franchises that are owner-operator require very hands-on management by the owner. There's ones that can be more passively run. And um, also, especially there's ones that you know, require like having a great sales skill set. And so ones like that you can get for honestly way cheaper than people think of. But, um, you know, it's just that that's not what they traditionally know. And honestly, I'd have people who would come to me and say like, oh, I'd love to buy a McDonald's. And my first question would be why? And when you boil it down, it's usually like they're looking for good returns and they've heard of that one. And so it's like, okay, well, we can find a good returns. McDonald's pretty much sold out everywhere. And frankly, like we can find better ROI in other places. So it's really like, Finding the right franchise for someone is definitely an art form in its own because everyone's a unique person. Like, honestly, um, my start in the franchise world was working in a franchise. They was actually a franchise brokerage that was a franchise. So they have franchises for absolutely everything. And if you'd asked me even a year before then if I would ever be in franchising, I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Because really, it's, um, you know, I grew up in a town that didn't have franchises. So it was something I had no idea about. But you know, when I was approached about it, I was coming off from being a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. I'm the son of an entrepreneur. So they're like, hey, you're very entrepreneurial yourself. You're used to selling like, you know, high uh, ticket price investment products. All this really matches up what you're looking for. But here's the widget that you're selling. It's franchising. And I was like, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. Would I ever have expected to be in there? Not a chance. And same thing happened to me over the next 10 years is that people would come into me with one idea. And then uh, I'd be like, well, what's your skill set? What are you trying to do? And honestly, you present them a couple options and you tell them ahead of time, like, hey, you're probably going to laugh at some of these, but don't knock it off until you speak with the franchisor first. And every time they come back, like, wow, I did not expect that. That makes a ton of sense. This is a really cool business. To that end, right? When you're selling the franchises and there's so many, could you give me an example of like something that somebody wouldn't think of that's been franchised? Like you talked about a franchise of a franchise. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I remember one of, one of the funniest ones because you'd ask people like what they're interested in and then why, and um, you know a lot of people are like, hey, I don't really care as long as it does X, Y, and Z. And so I had someone come to me who said, I want something that has a really great e-commerce side, and I'm like, uh, you, you care about the industry there? And he says, no. And I'm like, I'm really going to test you on it. And I was sending him an email, and I'm like, gosh, this guy's going to call me up and fire me right now. Like this is going to be insane. 
And I recommended Adam and Eve, the sex shop. (laughs) (laughs) So they franchise that and there are a bunch of stores. And so I'm not going to lie. I was amazed when he absolutely loved it. He's like, oh, this is something that there's not a ton of competition in. They've got the brand name. There's the e-commerce side. It actually fits everything perfectly. And uh, it just goes on and on. Like I, I've worked with everything from like custom tailored suit franchises, waste management franchises, uh, specialty dessert ones, um, window washing, residential cleaning. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah. So you know you're you're familiar with all of those. You make a a, a case on your on your site, and you've been making a case for investing in, in franchises. And that's that, you know, you need to kind of invest away from, you know, the traditional assets, like diversify away from Wall Street, diversify away from from real estate, give those opportunities to to retail investors where people can broaden their portfolio, right? And you feel like you're providing uh, a platform for that. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, it's not really just selling off all of your stuff and going into franchises. It's just about diversifying. You know, when I was an advisor at Merrill Lynch, you know, we would tell people like, hey, 20% of your portfolio should be in alternatives. It's not as correlated to the market. It increases returns. And honestly, when you look at that these days, most high net worth investors are closer to 50% in alternatives uh, for those same reasons. So it's really a segment of your portfolio. You know, I love when uh, people ask me like, so who are your competitors? I'm like, well, no one does this for franchising, so I have none. But they're like, oh, what about like Fundrise or Masterworks? And I said, you know, 20% of everyone's portfolio should be in alternatives. I'd be greedy to think I will get all of that. They are complementary investments next to me. The other thing, too, is that traditionally, these weren't available to the average investor. You typically had to be a high net worth accredited investor, accredited being at least a million dollars in net worth or 250000 income if you're single, 300000 if you're married. But then what happened was in 2015, the Jobs Act really went into effect. And what this did is honestly inspired by Kickstarter, I believe, because people were launching all sorts of products on Kickstarter. They realized you could crowdfund money, but you couldn't do it for equity because you'd be breaching securities laws. So with the Jobs Act, they made it so a couple different ways where you could register your investment and then start working with non-accredited investors. And so that's what we did is we did what's called a Regulation A+. And that allows us to advertise the investment as well as work with non-accredited investors and there's no cap on how many investors we can have. And so that's really why I wanted to go this route is I want it available for everyone. It's never been available for accredited or unaccredited. And so I think everyone should invest together. You know, I had a lot of people say, why don't you just go after the uh, ultra high net worth ones? I'm like, honestly, everyone needs access to this. And I think, you know, you're continuing the same problem if you don't open it up for everyone. You know, your fund is going gonna, is gonna to launch in, in a couple months. And we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. But I get the sense from listening to you and, and different things that you've said, it's important to kind of have this open to a lot of different people. There are no barriers. You do say, you know, that the entry is $500, right? I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but it's it's a manageable um, investment, right? Yeah. And honestly, like when you sign up on our wait list, you know, we have a survey kind of understanding more of who's coming to us, like where do you live? And also, hey, what do you think about investing in this? And our average intended investment level is actually over 20000 per person. Wow. And so you get everything from your 18 to 24-year-olds wanting to do 500 bucks to a couple grand, all the way to your 55-plus that want to do 100000 200000 We've had a bunch of 500000 ones. And we're also talking with a bunch of family offices that are really interested in this because this is the type of stuff they invest in. And you know they're looking for things that produce income. They're very niche. And uh, just something that they... Other people don't generally have access to, and really, it's it's a very finite amount of who we're able to let into this first fund. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. So far, you've had a wait list, right? So you're going to kind of go through that that wait list when the when the platform opens and and, and offer up, you know, offer what, what you have, right? Exactly. Uh, once we do open up, we'll be uh, giving everyone you know, the full offering details, you know, what franchises are in the fund, where they're at, what our targeted returns are, how the process works. You know, people can actually move up the wait list. Uh, everyone who refers, you actually get to move up the wait list. And then also uh, anyone who actually ends up uh, funding an account that you referred, we get 50 bucks for everyone. You also seem to have a, a like a social equity kind of a mission behind it, right? To where, you know, you're not, you think about, you think about a, a franchise, you think about a job in a franchise, which is kind of ho-hum, you know, no real room for, for, for climbing uh, up the ladder, the, the corporate ladder, but you kind of want to change that. Yeah. It's honestly interesting how it all started. You know, we had the protests a couple of years ago after uh, George Floyd's death and you know, Juneteenth really got big recognition. And honestly, I'd never heard of it before, like most people. And my great friend, Carlton, who like, we always talk social issues with each other. You know, he's a guy who grew up in Philly and real rough everything. But then he ended up uh, getting a full ride to Penn State and he's absolutely crushing it in life. So we love to have these conversations. And so I called him on Juneteenth and I said, hey, Carlton, you know, I posted the black square on Instagram, but I'm not really the guy that just likes start spewing hate or my thoughts and feelings on, you know, little quote posts, but what can I do that actually makes a difference? I'm a hands-on guy. And he said, invest a hundred dollars in a black owned bank. And I was just like, man, that's a great idea. Like that's actual change. And so we kind of started spitballing and kept rolling with it. And eventually it was like, well, Hey, we've got this whole generation of people who are trying to become business owners and, you know, actually leave generational wealth. So like, why can't we apply that to franchising? And so I kind of merged it with another part, which is um, Chick-fil-A, actually. Do you know how much a Chick-fil-A costs by chance? You know, I, I cheated just because I've, I've heard uh, you talk about it before. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that to, to start something up like that is in the millions, right? Uh, yeah, it'd usually be like a, a million, million and a half. But Chick-fil-A actually finances it for you. And so it's only $10,000 to be a franchisee. That's amazing. And uh, you know, they have a lower acceptance rate than Harvard does now because of how many people try and become owners of their locations. And the reason they do it is they realize like, hey, people who run these the best started from the ground up. And so we'd like to you know, reward those people and give them the ability to own the locations. And so we want to take the same approach and start bringing this to all other parts of franchising. Because frankly, there's enough room to give investors a good return and start providing a good income to people who, you know, started a minimum wage job. And normally that would be the end of it, but we were creating the ladder where we want people to start here, see that there's management then see that there's ownership, and then you've got an entire portfolio and then there's franchise corporate. So, uh, yeah, I definitely want to make some changes around here. That's great, man. Let's talk about the franchises that you're kind of sourcing for your portfolio, right? For your fund. Mm -hmm. My main question is how resilient have these businesses been through the pandemic? And I know that, uh, you last spoke in May, and we seem to kind of be in the clear, you know, everyone's like, the worst is behind us. And then, and then you know, Omicron comes and, and whatever. And it's like another shutdown. It's, it's crazy. People are kind of at their wit's end. How has your fund, if, if at all, how, has it changed from the companies? How resilient have these small businesses been? I literally never changed the companies that we were going into because of it. Mm. And the reason for that is that, um, you know, I can't get into too much detail because we're still going through registration. But you know, we have a food brand in there that's involved, and the food brand, uh, it's a quick service restaurant, not fast food. But um, they had, I believe it was 19% same store sales growth over that like, major shutdown period, as well as since uh, 2020, they've had, I think it's 41% same store sales growth since then. 
And the reason for that is the founder is actually a multi-time founder in franchising. And he grew a couple different brands to 300 locations each, I think, and then sold them. And the guy's always looking forward. And so as people were scrambling to how to reach people on other avenues, they were already prepared. They already had the app. They had loyalty programs. They had uh, pickup and delivery. So they were already set up for all this. And it's also in a unique niche in that there's only a couple of competitors in this food segment. And so uh, they were really just poised for the opportunity there. And then the other one's in waste management, which uh, I feel like kind of speaks for itself. Doesn't matter uh, how many people are out wherever, they're still crushing garbage. And also there's like a whole bunch of like uh, you know, distribution working with like Amazon centers. There's uh, things like, especially like uh, new residential home builds or any construction. You know, people were still building during all that. Construction people were, you know, if anything, it was easier for them because they have to shut down traffic in places. But uh, most places were still building. So Honestly, it was great to see that like that was my initial thought for the fund. And then to see it all play out how they did is amazing. And I wouldn't look back on it. Everything you described, I mean, made sense during, especially during a pandemic, right? People were staying at home. And even, even if it was just like home improvements, right? Changing a, a bathroom or changing a, a basement or making an addition because people were staying at home a lot more. Oh, yeah. There's so many home service ones that absolutely did incredible during that. Even the, the things you wouldn't think of too, like uh, insulation. <laughs> like who's, who's doing insulation? But the fact is reduces your utility costs, especially when everyone's at home and you're air conditioning the place more. And it reduces outside noise for when you're on Zooms all day. So it's just all these things that people don't think about. But you know, there's niches in the riches, as they say. So uh, you know, these, these are the things that we focus on is like, hey, it's obscure, but it's got a systematic business model and they're profitable. Yeah. So let's kind of dive into the into the fund, you know, because there's a lot to talk about there. How have you set up Franchair? So like, you know, someone's listening to you and they're like, man, Kenny, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in and I want to invest and they get on the site and then, you know, the platforms are, what's a, what's going to be available to them as an investment vehicle? Well, first off, thank you for your support guys for thinking that. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> when you go there right now, uh, you have to join the waitlist first, like you were talking about before, because uh, we're still going through our SEC approval right now. And so um, once we do get that approval, we're actually going to have the platform where you're able to create an account, log in. If you ever use something like a Fundrise or a Masterworks or a Vint um, or a Here, they it's, it's all honestly the same process where you're able to really connect your bank account with Plaid or roll over from uh, uh, any type of retirement fund and be able to fund an account. But you also get like a full description of everything within the portfolio. So how many locations we're doing, what brands we're doing them in, where they're located, who the management team is. So you get really a full dive in all the details for you're the investor before you ever make the investment. We don't do blind pools and uh, hope and luck around here. It's a lot of planning. Would you say that that's going to be all one fund? Like, are, are there going to be options to invest in, like based on geography, uh, based on on risk tolerance, maybe, or is it going to be one fund to begin? So for the first fund, we're doing one diversified fund for everyone. So it's diversified across regions by industry, um, pretty much every way you can diversify. And so um, you know, we want to do that because this is people's first foray into franchise investing. And so, you know, like all investing, it's smart to diversify. And also what speaks to one person might not speak to another. So a lot of people are coming in expecting fast food. And sure, they're going to like the food option that we have, but some people don't want food. And so we want to be able to diversify it across those different areas. How many franchises would you say you're going to have inside that fund? I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that SEC stuff. I err, I err to the side of caution when it comes to the SEC. <laughs> 100%. I know. I know that that's uh, you hear founders talk about that, and it's just like you know, once that ends, you know, I can go back to you know, I can sleep again. Boy, I can't wait. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of the fund, and there's something unique about it, right? Because you're not charging uh, any fees to the investors, 
And that's a big thing. Uh, I'll kind of let you talk about why why you're not taking any fees. But then on, on the other end, like how investors can kind of maybe expect to see some of that money, uh, their return on investment. Yeah. So um, when it comes to the fees, you know, before I got started, I checked out all the different players in this fractional alternative investing space. And I would first to what do they hate the most? And the number one thing by a mile was fees. And so I thought to myself, like, I'm creating a new asset class. I want it to be something that ever, it's a no brainer for everyone. So it was kind of started to work backwards. And how can we make money in other ways? And so what we do is that when you look at franchise finance, 80% of the cost is from signing the franchise agreement to opening the doors. And that last 20% is working capital. So what we do is we crowdfund the 80% to get the doors open. And then Franchise contributes that last 20% in working capital. So instead of just diluting you with a management carry, we're actually co-investing with you into the fund. And so that way we get 20% of the future returns as well as 20% of the future fund sale price when that happens. The third way that we make money is actually something that comes from my background in the brokerage industry because uh, we make the long-term money with everyone else there, but also we have bills to pay here. And so um, how franchise brokerage works is that, you know, let's use an example like Supercuts. If you went straight to Supercuts and didn't talk to a broker like I was, it'd be the exact same investment level. Brokers are paid by the franchise themselves. And honestly, like it varies, but it's pretty much, they're very almost like pretty similar franchise fee costs as well as commissions for it. And so what franchise does is acts as the broker. Franchise is the broker and the fund is the franchisee. And so basically we get a couple percentage points back to franchise to uh, actually launch the fund. And it doesn't come out of our investors' pockets at all. And you know, a big part of that too was uh, you know, we're we're the first to do this. I know there's going to be knockoffs, but you know, uh, you've got that first to market advantage. You've got myself, who I've made myself a uh, expert in the field over the last decade. And then finally, if you can't undercut the fees, it becomes a lot harder to uh, come into the market. Yeah, it almost it almost seems like um, you know you've developed some partnerships there, and and that you can't really. Duplicate, right? I mean, that takes time to cultivate. Yeah, we've got relationships with over 600 different franchise brands. Taking a step back, right? You talk about people replicating your business model. How long has this uh, been in the works for? Well, that's a multi-answer thing. So I had the idea originally six years ago. <laughs> I uh, heard of Fundrise. Uh, they'd done their Series A. And uh, immediately, it was like, oh, I'm going to do this for franchising. And you know, before I went straight to go out and asking money for people for it, I want to you know, add to my credibility. So I went out and started my own brokerage and had a big emphasis in, um, you know, being a thought leader in the space. So I was the number one writer in Quora on franchising, got featured in Forbes, ABC, Business Insider. But honestly, I got a little complacent. I built a good company. I was enjoying it. And then uh, quarantine happened. And in quarantine, I read an article that people were gambling on the stock market because sports weren't on. And that was kind of my kick in the head moment of like, okay, I got to get this going yesterday. And so, um, yeah, right after then, that was uh, probably May last year. And, uh, or sorry, May the year before. And then started fundraising for it February last year. And then uh, about to launch the doors uh, next month. Yeah, it seems like the pandemic really, you know, for all, you know, all the, all the bad things that have happened, really sparked, you know, this general creativity, right? And uh, like you said, uh, maybe if you were in that complacency, you're comfortable. But then uh, the pandemic just seemed to spark something in a lot of other people, you know, to kind of get them get them moving and and some of them, you know, change their lives, whatever that is for them. Yeah, definitely did. So on your end, that's how you you, you know you described this how the, how, how franchisees is is going to you know take in money. How can an investor expect uh, to see their their return? 
it's a combination of both equity appreciation and uh, cash flow, passive income. So when you start a franchise, the value of the company builds over time as the sales increase. So you've got that as a natural way to you know earn money over time through that equity portion. But also we pay out from the actual proceeds of the franchise themselves. So we're going to wait about 12 months before we start paying out dividends because we don't want to take money from the franchises like right when they're starting, obviously. But then after that first year, we're expecting to pay monthly dividends to all the investors. So you get that cash flow portion as well as the equity appreciation. Awesome. Uh, I know you had mentioned before the ability to be able to, um, at some point, invest in in local companies, right? Companies that are in your community. Yeah, yeah. Which which is like a would be like a driver for somebody to support the business that, that they're invested into. Yeah, we're definitely going to be doing more and more uh, locally based portfolios. So you know, I'm based in Chicago. We'll have a Chicago portfolio. So where I go to actually get my hair cut, get my oil changed, go work out, are also places that I co own. And so you know, there's the benefit of investing locally benefit of creating jobs down the street. And on the other side, it's actually great for the portfolios too, because I'm going to go somewhere that I partially own. I'm going to go to that gym. And so you've got this built-in customer base already, as well as built-in evangelists. Like anytime someone says, oh, my mechanic messed up, I got to go find a new one. I'm going to send them to the Meineke. Why that Meineke? Well, I'm a co-owner in it. And you're going to see a lot higher production from these franchises than you typically do within their systems. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, because a lot of times, I, I like you said, you know, you grew up somewhere where, um, you know, you didn't have any franchises. And I imagine you're saying that everybody in the community, that every, every business was like, you know, community owned. Yep. And with franchises, maybe, you know, you don't have that that personal touch, right? But you don't really know who it is that's behind the business, right? I, I don't know if that's if that's a right way of, of putting it, that the franchises seem a little a little more impersonal, but you're trying to make it so that it becomes more personal. Yeah. Impersonal is a good way to phrase it because frankly, like it, they are all local business owners. They are employing local people. Other people tend to just see like, oh, you're part of a franchise. So you're not, not a local business. No, I, I took the business model from a successful business and brought it here. And so it's really everything you're looking for, except for like your own unique name on the roof. Other than that, like it's a lot of the same things the local businesses are doing. For sure. I want to talk about like, how has this SEC, uh, you know, process has been for you because I know that there's a lot of people are just like waiting for it for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say I get hate mail, but I get want mail. When is this coming out? (laughs) It's been an interesting process, um, obviously, because this is our first uh, foray into it, but also because nothing's existed like this before. They kind of said like, oh, this can't really be like a blank check thing because we said, like, oh, we're going to do a couple different franchises and maybe some of these other brands. And they're like, no, get specific. Where are you doing them? Which brands? Don't keep it open-ended. So like, you know, we had to learn things. But also like, luckily there's uh, you know, been people who've been down this road in other new asset classes. So they're more used to seeing new things now. And what's also great for what we're doing is that most people don't know that uh, franchising is actually regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. And so part of that, they have to disclose everything about themselves, like who the management team is. Is there litigation against the franchise? Uh, what locations cost? What locations earn? And so what's fortunate is that we're able to then um, you know, use these uh, numbers that are regulated by the FTC when working with the SEC. And so uh, I've had all the regulation a person should have in a lifetime, but I'm just getting warmed up. 
you know, when I, when I think of the SEC, that in the fractional space, it's like the big, uh, you know, it's like going to go see the Wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, I can't talk too much about it. And, and you're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for that approval. Yeah, they're just so busy, like constantly now. There's so many other things going on. So it's uh, trying to make sure you get their attention constantly to, as well as a fun uh, balancing act. I know you mentioned before about some restaurants. Can you talk about any specific companies in the portfolio? I, I can't just yet until until we get that approval. I'm uh, I'm not messing with the SEC. If you're listening, I'm I'm doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> I guess going on with that, you're you're pretty much set, right? You're not admitting any more uh, any more franchise. I know I know you talked before about you know how you kind of source the franchises. You you looked at at owners, pre-existing owners, owners that had had experience with franchises. You looked at at franchises that uh, were thriving during the pandemic. Are you admitting any more? And and even if you're not, and let's say you're expanding for the future, right? What is your sourcing process and how do you gauge them to, to put into a portfolio? Because then at some point, right, you want to put in like this expected ROI for, for the investors. Yep. And I'm sure you want to maximize that. Yep. Honestly, there has been a laundry list of franchises I've loved for years. And if I had all the cash in the world, I would have bought them up years ago. So it's nice to finally like bring some of that to fruition. But another part too is that people have actually been reaching out to us, uh, like major franchisors that you 100% know the names of. Honestly, we haven't even launched yet. So to have them reaching out already is just absolutely incredible for us. But when we're looking at franchises, there's a lot of different factors we have to consider from like the growth of the franchise itself, the growth in location productivity, um, who the franchisor is, like, you know, what's their leadership team like? I mentioned before that franchises have to disclose a whole lot about themselves. One part that's optional is actually uh, what we call an item 19, which is their earnings claim. And so it's optional because obviously if you just start franchising, you can't really make one. And then um, at the same time, it's important to make sure that you know, people can have an understanding of what they're getting themselves into. So some franchises might state this in terms of like gross profit, net profit. Gyms sometimes do like average number of members. So we're trying to only work with ones that can show like what their net profits look like. And so that way we can show investors like, hey, here's where we're coming from. Here's where we're getting our numbers off. And uh, we're trying to be as transparent as possible in how we do everything. So you've turned down some some opportunities, I'm sure, or some franchises. Yeah, a ton of them have reached out. We, we have to state what we're doing with the funds when registering with the SEC. So we can't bring in new franchises into this fund. But um, we're going to be launching several more, well, a lot more in the future. So we'll be assembling a lot of different portfolios for people to get involved in. That's going to compose a very different franchisors too. So for, and I, I, mean, I can't stress this enough, right? So you, you anticipate launching the platform by the end of, of February. So if there's somebody that's, that wants to learn more about uh, franchisors, uh, you know, this, you know, fractionalizing an interest into franchises. Uh, and I hope I just described that somewhat accurately. What can they do to learn more? What can they do to maybe become an investor at, at this moment? And what should they be looking for in the coming days? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, joining the waitlist is the first step. And we also have a white paper that you get sent to you right away when you sign up on the waitlist. So read through it. I know it sounds crazy to say, but you'd be amazed how people don't read through it. Another thing too is uh, go through our blog. I know most people don't like blogs, but honestly, we're putting a lot of great content out there that's going to help people learn about franchising, learn how franchise works. And uh, once we're approved, learn about the fun too. And uh, even like uh, we're not sure how long we're going to, I can keep doing this, but um, we're actually letting people do one-on-ones with me for 15 minutes. When people do sign up, it's an optional thing. So we're trying to get an idea of like what people like about us, what, how they're finding us and everything like that. So it's really, again, like doing this in the name of the investor. And so uh, if you really want to do something, hop on the call with me. Let's chat. 
Wow. Yeah. Th- that is one of the best things, you know, you feel like you're welcomed, right? Uh, as soon as, as soon as you, you walk in the door, basically. Yeah. I think I'm at like 200 calls so far. We're, well, eventually we might have to start doing uh, webinars because <laughs> I, I only have so much time, but honestly, the feedback we get from people and the stories we hear are just uh, incredible. What has that been like? What, what, what have you gotten in those 200 calls? I'd say something that has stuck out to you. It's a great question. Um, I'd say, well, first off, a ton of support. Like people, I, I can't tell you before, just like I've always thought about franchising in one capacity or another, but there was no way I could possibly do it. Um, a lot of people are just uh, doing their normal due diligence too, which honestly, a lot of times could have been saved by reading the uh, uh, white, white paper. But, you know, um, I'd say one of the top questions that comes up is uh, management of the franchises, which actually is a great thing to touch on too. Um, because obviously how you manage the locations is crucial to its success. And so most people don't know this, but just like how there are um, property management companies in real estate, there are also franchise management companies in franchising. And so we are working with very experienced teams. In fact, ones that have direct experience with the franchises that we are uh, starting with. And, uh, you know, they don't really uh, advertise everywhere because frankly, they've got enough work on their hands. But again, been in the industry, so I've known a whole lot of them for a long time. And it's also great to you know have these people that can take lessons they've learned from other franchise brands as well and bring it to you. And so we're making sure that we have really expert level uh, management for each location there. And plus, we tend to look at more what we call semi-absentee franchises. So like a super cuts that are normally manager run. So we're bringing expert level management to ones that are typically run by people who are already working full time. And so we do that because we want to absolutely blow out, the, blow the normal returns out of the water and bring in a lot of professionalism to it. I would have never thought that that was, that's like the business behind the business, right? That's incredible. Could you give us a, an idea of how big franchising is in the United States? Yeah. So there are over 4,000 different franchise brands in a hundred plus industries, uh, accounts for over 750 billion in the US GDP. So it's uh, over three and a half percent. There's nearly a million franchised locations in the U.S. And um, I'm trying to think if I forget any facts and figures, but there's there's your taste. <laughs> that says enough. I guess to, to close out, you know, because you're kind of, you know, you're, you're tying your experience and, and your, um, your expertise into this industry, right? What's going to happen to the franchise industry, right? Uh, do you see that it's leaning more toward more independent businesses or do you see that, um, you know, franchising has become even more popular? Oh, I think we're about to see a growth in franchising or an absolute explosion because honestly, a lot of what we're doing is that I've said for years, franchising is the biggest industry with the biggest marketing problem because I, you know, I call it the F word of business ownership. They hear that word and they shudder like, oh no, I can't be stuck behind a counter. But again, they typically have had little to no education on franchising and don't know that much about it. So for instance, uh, one thing we'll be doing a lot in the future is helping people with that transition from corporate to private. And so what I mean by that is that there's a franchise for everyone out there. And so what we want to do is help people by matching them up with the right ones, similar to what I've done in the brokerage industry in the past, but also by providing them with loans that are maybe easier to obtain than working with the SBA. Because by then we'll have a huge crowd of investors, but we only offer equity investments. So we want to make sure we can start offering a debt investment too. And so uh, once been franchising becomes more and more popular, people are going to start seeing it as a, hey, I don't have to do the corporate grind nine to five. I can go get my own business and run it myself and be self-employed, replace that six-figure income. So um, yeah, I think what we've seen in the startup world and all of that excitement, um, you know, people are kind of starting to realize that a lot of the ideas are already done. They 
honestly just throwing stuff against the wall, hoping something will stick. But for a lot of people, it's, hey, I need predictability. I want to be my own boss. I want to have control over my schedule. And all these things that franchising matches for, they just didn't have, they had a negative connotation with the name. And, you know, obviously because of the ability to invest in it now, I think we're going to, again, see like a massive explosion in the franchise industry. So Kenny, this, this is big because I'm sorry I didn't ask this before. You're starting up a fund, but then you also have the second part of franchise where you're kind of, you're giving out loans uh, and you're also, it seems to me like you're also kind of giving uh, some consulting advice uh, for future franchisees. I mean, that's all down the road, but yeah, there's a lot of different avenues franchise is going to be going into, but I can't give out all my secrets just yet. <laughs> okay. It seems like, uh, you know, you, you got so much going on and I know you're, you're a couple of, you know, a month away from, from, from launching. So we're, we're all excited for you and, uh, really excited for that as well, uh, for the opportunity to just invest in it and see how you guys are growing. Awesome. I'm excited for it too. How can people, uh, get in touch with you? I know you got the franchise.com. Uh, is there any other, any other social media that you're on? Add me on LinkedIn. Well, I'm on all the social media. It's Kenny Rose, spelt like the flower. But uh, honestly, I love connecting with people on LinkedIn, especially I post on there more than anywhere. And also love to be able to like introduce people wherever I can when it's like mutually beneficial for everyone. Yeah. And, and maybe then you could also just, you know, read the white paper, you know? Yeah. Read the white paper first. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Kenny, thanks for, for uh, spending time with us today. It was great again to, to catch up and, and to kind of see where you guys are and, and, uh, uh, we'll see where you guys go uh, a, m- a month or two from now. Uh, it's go time. Thanks so much. It was great being on here again. Have a great day, Kenny. You too. Kenny is gearing up to launch the platform with Franchiers about a month away from getting final SEC approval. When that happens, investors will have the opportunity to diversify into a wholly unique asset class led by someone who has literally written a book on the industry. We at Alts are happy for Kenny and eager to see his platform get the green light. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let others know about it. We find our guests so interesting and knowledgeable, and I know others will too. Or leave a review or hit the follow button.